Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. We are continuing our study in the book of James, and we are finishing up chapter 3. In verses 13 to 18 of chapter 3, we are looking at wisdom, a matter of origin. We encourage you to open up your Bibles to James chapter 3 and follow along with Pastor Roy. Today, if you open your Bibles to James chapter 3, uh, we're continuing our series. Uh, we're in the latter half of the chapter. We're, our, our theme is the matters of real Christianity, and the title today is Wisdom, a Matter of Origin. And the reason I titled it that way is because true wisdom and false wisdom is what James is really uh, contrasting here. And so, what is the origin of the wisdom that we embrace? So, follow along with me in James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. James says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done, and the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts... Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere." Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So here James is contrasting true wisdom from false wisdom. He is saying that a person who demonstrates true wisdom will be a person you see who talks right and acts right. Last week we talked about the tongue. James is not done talking about the tongue. He's saying a wise person will know how to use his tongue, and he will also know how to use his body in action, in works. In chapter 2, he talks about faith and works. He's showing that a wise person will have good works. He will also talk right and live right. Versus someone who practices false wisdom and is full of bitter selfishness and envy. So let's take a look at this. Wisdom is reflected in godly character. Notice he says in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So we see that wisdom really is reflected in godly character that That humility of life brings about good works in a person's life. They're a godly person. Paul was concerned about the church in Corinth, reflecting worldly character instead of godly character. He writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, For I fear, and whenever you hear a pastor talk about fear, you know that the pastor's heart is concerned about the congregation. So here, Paul is concerned about the congregation in Corinth because there was fighting, quarreling, and divisions in the body of Christ. 
And he says in 2 Corinthians 12, I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish. That perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. Paul is saying that I'm afraid that you are embracing a false wisdom. And what do we see at the opening letter of Corinthians? Paul is talking about the foolishness of human wisdom. And the Greeks who embraced the worldly philosophy and thought they were wise. And he said, by, worldly, uh, by godly standards, you're foolish. And so here he is concerned about that. In Proverbs 2, 6, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So the only way we can really have a godly character is our character has to come from the pages of Scripture. Where we read the Scripture and we live out that reality of the Scripture to be a wise and godly person. In Psalm 119, verse 34, the psalmist says, Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with all my heart. If you have confusion and chaos in your life and you're not sure if you're supposed to go this direction or that direction or what you're supposed to do about a situation, we come to the pages of Scripture and say, what does the Scripture say? Because the Scriptures will tell me how I should behave, how I should live, how I should act. We can also see this incredible discerning heart. A godly character will manifest itself in a discerning heart. We see that example in Daniel, do we not? Daniel had a praiseworthy lifestyle, a lifestyle that honored the Lord. His life was a beautiful picture of what it meant to have a godly character. Let's look at these verses in Daniel for a moment. Daniel 3, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators, the satraps, by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, how he lived. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Where did he get that kind of wisdom? And remember, when he was hauled off into captivity, it was as a teenager. So teenagers, you don't have to wait till you grow up to live wisely. You can live wisely in a corrupt culture. Daniel was in a corrupt culture, a pagan culture. And yet he lived a life of wisdom and godly character. That's what James is telling us we need to do in the body of Christ. In 6.5, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. I'm like, you know what? The man's spotless. He's squeaky clean. We can't find anything. We've even looked in the closet and there's nothing. We've checked his desk drawers. There's nothing. <laughs> We've checked his computer files. There's nothing. We've checked his history on the internet. There's no now, you know, he didn't have a computer. I'm bringing it into our world. That there was nothing they could find against him. And that's godly character. And that's what James says is this is the wise and understanding person who lives that way. Incredible discernment. He tied his opponents up in knots. They're stumbling over themselves to find a way to trap him. Sounds a lot like what the Pharisees tried to do to Jesus. But his discernment, how did he get that discernment? Not only from, because not everybody had a full copy of the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. Probably had the Torah. But 
he prayed. The Bible says he opened his windows toward Jerusalem and he prayed three times a day. That's how we're going to get the wisdom that God wants us to have. There's an ancient Russian proverb that says this, when you meet a man, you judge him by his clothes. When you leave a man, you judge him by his heart. I like that. I like that. Daniel does what Daniel always did. He had a gentle spirit and a discerning heart. He had tact, skill, and expertise in what he did. And that was a shining contrast to the evil that was around him. Somebody once said, a person of wisdom knows when to speak his mind and when to mind his speech. And I think it's true. You see, the primary purpose in work and ministry, as we, as we minister and work together, is to develop character. That's what God's trying to do with all of us. You see, while the carpenter is building a house, the house is also building the carpenter. Skill, diligence, manual dexterity, and judgment are refined. A job is not merely a task designed to earn money. It is intended to produce godly character in the life of the worker. That's a quote from Howard Drayton, who wrote Your Money Counts. Now let's look at the origin for a moment of false wisdom. It does not come from above. It does not come from God. It comes from within. It's human reasoning. It's human intellect. It's human philosophy. And notice what he says in verse 14. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. And then notice what he says in the next verse. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. It is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. Pretty amazing, isn't it? It is earthly. That's the first thing he says. It is worldly. He's saying it is, it is fleshly. It is lustful. And that's why it is corrupt. Secondly, it is unspiritual. It is depraved. The Bible says we have a depraved nature, a sin nature. There's nothing spiritual about it. And the last one is, it is of the devil. It's actually demonic wisdom if it doesn't come from the Lord. And so it's important that we realize that Paul states in Romans 8, 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And notice he goes on to say, for where, in verse 16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Disorder here is talking about people who engage in violence and rebellion even to the point that it causes a riot. There's such strife and evil, vile, corrupt, depraved, worthless activity that goes on. Paul goes on to write in Romans 8, verse 8, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. You see, a person who has worldly wisdom says it's all about me. 
It's my plans, it's my agenda, it's my dreams, it's my schedule, it's all about me. How does it fit me? How does it suit me? How does it help me? I'm full of myself. That's who I'm out for. False wisdom is characterized by self-centered living. Me is important. There's a strong drive for personal success, but listen to this. There's a strong drive for personal success without moral inhibitions. In other words, I will break the rules if it makes me look good. If it promotes my agenda and helps me get ahead, I will break the rules to do that. Success, how I look to others, is more important than God's standard. Jealousy can be seen, and notice he says it is bitter envy, or the word jealousy. Jealousy can be seen in resentment. I resent the fact that this person has something I don't, and I don't like this person because they have that, and I don't. Um, this person has a really nice house, and I resent them for it. This person has a lot of wealth, and I resent them for it because I don't have it. That's the kind of selfish jealousy that he's talking about here. This couple has a newborn baby, and we have struggled with infertility, and I'm jealous, and I resent the fact that they have a child, and we don't. This person has gifts and talents, I don't, and I resent the fact that they have those gifts and talents. And God did not give them to me. This person has musical ability and I'm jealous. You see, the heart behind that kind of resentment is a heart that questions the wisdom and sovereignty of God. It is bitter. And it's interesting the word that he uses for bitter here. It indicates the fruits of the wild vine or bitter gourd, which is so excessively bitter and acrid as to be a kind of poison. You see, that kind of bitter jealousy and envy will actually poison a person's spirit. And it ruins their life. I think about Mozart. I don't know how many of you have seen the movie Amadeus. But in that movie, and I don't know if I can pronounce his name right, but Saliera, who was there around... Mozart saw his incredible gifts and talents and musical ability and he was driven to absolute bitterness because of the envy in his heart because he didn't have that ability. He picked up the music that Mozart was writing and he's looking at it and there's, there's no eraser marks. <laughs> and, and he has, has a perfect musical score and he's like, this is impossible. And these were the originals. And he was driven, it shows him in an insane asylum at the end of his life because he became absolutely bitter and jealous that God did not give him that ability. What a sad ending to a life. You see, that kind of bitterness eats at a person's spirit much like cancer to the flesh. And he says, do not boast about that kind of selfish ambition or deny the truth. Don't tell falsehoods to make yourself look better. <laughs> it's not necessary. People lie to make themselves look happier and more content than they really are. 
and their intent is to deceive others by lying. True wisdom is characterized by righteous living. Now he goes through a list of eight traits of true wisdom. Let's take a look at them. Earlier, we looked at Daniel's godly character and his discernment. And it says in Daniel 1.8, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. What was Daniel concerned about? The very first characteristic of true wisdom. What is it? Pure. To be without defect. He wanted to be a pure person. And, a, and actually this word pure here in this list is to cover that whole list of eight. There's to be purity in all of that. In all that we do. Wisdom, he says, produces purity. And let me explain the importance of purity. Purity is a firewall for your heart. Now, a firewall is designed, there's software called a firewall. That firewall is to protect you from risky things on the internet. It blocks it and keeps you from experiencing that risky stuff and getting a virus on your computer. They call it a firewall. I'm calling purity a firewall for your heart. When you click on the internet, when you go somewhere to do something, wisdom says, wait a minute, there's traps out there to corrupt me. And you know what? You don't even have to click. If you click on any kind of website, you can get some kind of pop-up thing to try to get you to go somewhere else. Free from impurities, living holy lives, innocent in regard to evil. That's what he's saying. We have a clear conscience before God and man. In Proverbs 4.4, 4, it says, He taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. And listen, she will keep you. She will protect you. She will be the firewall in your life. Love her and she will guard you. There's that protection again. You know why we need protection? Because there is evil everywhere. <laughs> we live in the prince and power of the air of the enemy. And God can give us wisdom and give us a firewall for our heart. Are you engaging the firewall in your life? I think about Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc led the king's army in battle in six Burgundian-held towns. And on July 17, which is about this anniversary, just passed it, with her standard flying, she stood next to Charles VII as he was crowned in a church uh, to be the true king of France. She had fulfilled her vision and commission. Less than a year later, she was captured by the English and taken to a town where she was tried by captors and burned at the stake in 1431 at the age of 19. When tried by dozens of highly educated clergy, doctors, and lawyers, they were convicting her for 77 crimes, including witchcraft. Her answers during a year of inquisition were such, they said, that no fault in her character and behavior could be found. 
Ultimately, the basis for her execution was that she wore men's clothing during her soldiering. Some 25 years later, Charles recovered most of the northern French territory as Joan had once promised, and he reopened her trial. He invited both English and French to testify. Though very few English responded, those who testified spoke of the many injustices they had observed during the trial, and Joan had been condemned for political rather than religious reasons. The commission found Joan's trial a farce, and they restored her standing as a Christian and noted that nearly all who had plotted against her, her died untimely deaths. Joan's heart was pure. Had wisdom in what she did. She left us a legacy that while everyone dies, only a few really live. So pure. Secondly, it's peaceable. It is free from worry. This person is characterized by contentment. And by the way, this is all these characteristics of wisdom are so important. If all these characteristics are operating within a church body, you know what happens? You have a spirit of unity. If they fail to operate and we operate by worldly wisdom, we will have division, quarreling, jealous, bitterness, envy, anger, all those things will be characteristic, and we saw those in the church in Corinth. Paul was concerned about the divisions and the quarreling. They weren't loving and practicing biblical wisdom. So it's important. So here is peaceable. We're not living in guilt over our past or our present. Uh, we're not anxious about the future. We have a sense of well-being. We're okay with being who we are, who God created us to be, and I can live at peace with myself. And when I'm at peace with myself and peace with God, I can be at peace with you. Right? And what a difference it makes in our lives. And it's interesting, the synonym of this word means agreeable or of one soul. That's where the unity comes in. There's an agreeableness with a person of peace. I think that's why Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. God's children are peaceable. They're harmonious. They're of one mind. They provide a more relaxed and inviting atmosphere. You ever been in an atmosphere and you're like, there's not peace here. There's strife, there's discord, there's discontent. But when you have peaceable people, you have an atmosphere you like to be in. You can kind of lay down and take a nap. You can be who you want to be when you're at peace. And that comes from the wisdom that comes from above. Thirdly, it's considerate, it's gentle. It means it is merciful or tolerant. When somebody isn't absolutely perfect. Oh, you didn't dot an I. You didn't cross a T. You didn't look at me the right way. You didn't shake my hand. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's really okay. You don't have to walk on eggshells. You're considerate. You're gentle. You don't speak evil of anyone. You're not quarrelsome. You're not looking for a fight or an argument. You're looking for ways to promote peace. There's a flexibility with a considerate person, respectful, right? That's what a person of wisdom gets from the Lord. 
Notice Daniel, he didn't just say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, you know, he asked for permission not to defile himself. He was considerate and gentle in his request. Titus 3, 2 says to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Let's move on to the fourth one. Submissive. A submissive person is not only an obedient person coming under authority, but they're also open to reason. Have you ever been with someone and you sit with them and you talk to them until you're blue in the face and they just won't reason with you? They're very unreasonable. You know, one of the things I cover in premarital counseling is I sit down, I say, you both come from different backgrounds and, and the thing you need to do is talk about things and come up with, make sure that what you request from the other partner is reasonable. Is it reasonable? Is it rational? I mean, don't be an irrational person. Putting expectations on somebody that can't possibly be met. This person is willing and open in a, to adopting another position or a course of action. We're not asking you to change your conviction, your biblical conviction, but we are saying, would you be open to a different preference? And yes, wisdom from heaven allows that. You give latitude for people to do that. Next, we are full of mercy. We exercise leniency and compassion in what we do. We're not offensive. We're not abrasive. We're looking for ways to demonstrate care and concern toward those who are hurting. The Good Samaritan was full of mercy in what he did. We need to be full of mercy. This is a good checklist to go through to say, you know what? Is my wisdom really heavenly wisdom? Is it really from the Lord? Am I demonstrating godly character? When you do, it brings a church body together. See, the tongue is operating the right way because it's operating out of heavenly wisdom. The body is operating the right way, the physical, the, the body, human body, because I'm, I'm saying I'm not operating according to the sinful nature. I'm allowing the Spirit of God to control me because those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And all of these characteristics, I'm pure, I'm peaceable, I'm considerate, I'm submissive, I'm full of mercy. Why? Because that's what the Spirit of God produces in us. Next, it is good fruit. It is morally excellent actions. I have a good disposition. Some people, you walk up to them, you don't know whether to pull out your hand or duck. <laughs> they're going to swing at me or they're going to... Spit at me or, you know, what's the deal here? They're like spitting nails. <laughs> it's like, come on, where's the joy of the Lord? Where is that good fruit that comes from heavenly wisdom? Next is impartial. Free from prejudice. Oh, here he goes again. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. This person does not cause factions and divisions in the body. Skin color, nationality, ethnicity, none of it matters in the body of Christ. Right? It doesn't matter. We're one in Christ. Background doesn't matter. Education doesn't matter. Bank accounts don't matter. We're one in Christ. Heavenly wisdom says, you know what? I love you, you love me. I've got defects, you've got defects. 
and we're going to magnify the cross. He goes on to say the next one is sincere. Genuine and real. It actually carried the idea originally about a person who would be inexperienced in the art of acting. In other words, without hypocrisy. You're not pretending. You're not putting on a show. This is who you are. You can share a struggle, a difficulty. It's who I am. It's who God made me to be. It's no excuse to say, though, where I am is where I stay. If I have, you know, character issues I need to work on, if you're late all the time, you say, well, this is just who I am. No, you, if you've got an alarm clock, you can get up, you know, or whatever the case might be. I'm not saying you just let those defects there. You grow in those to honor the Lord. He goes on to say then at the end, look at, and this is our memory verse, verse 18, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. And every farmer knows, and most of the rest of us too, that whatever we sow, we reap. You don't reap what you don't sow. No seed, no harvest. Bad seed, bad harvest. <laughs> You've got to cultivate the ground to get the kind of harvest that God desires. This righteousness is the righteousness that conforms to the justice and morality of biblical truth. These good works will be a part of our life. My tongue will be controlled by the Spirit of God. Does it mean I'll say everything right perfectly all the time? If I'm only controlled by the Holy Spirit all the time, chances are I probably won't be. And you probably won't be. And that's where we apologize and say I'm sorry. Let me finish with this passage of scripture and just listen to these words in Revelation 14. Then I looked and behold on Mount Zion stood the Lamb and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps and they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. But listen who these redeemed people, what they sound like. It sounds just like this heavenly wisdom. It is these, the scripture says, who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as firstfruits for God and the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. That is the heavenly wisdom that God gives to us as we seek Him. Let's stand for a word of prayer. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you 
take a moment to evaluate which kind of wisdom do you practice in your life, in your home, in your job, in the marketplace. And you can tell by how you talk, your speech. James talks about the tongue, but then he talks about the wisdom that controls that tongue. He talks about good works uh, coming from genuine faith in chapter 2. Here he talks about good works because of the godly character that we embrace because we are embracing true wisdom and not false wisdom in our life. And the beautiful part is that is it impacts those around us because now I can live in a spirit of unity and harmony and peace with one another. So it's vital to the entire body of Christ that we live by heavenly wisdom and not controlled by the flesh. If you haven't given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and surrendered to him, admitted to the Lord that you're a sinner, and that you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, shed his blood to wash away your sin, that you could be free from that sin and begin to embrace the heavenly wisdom that comes from the Lord. For the wisdom that is from above comes from the mouth of the Lord. And all you have to do is humble yourself and acknowledge that you're a sinner and believe that Jesus died on the cross for you personally and invite him into your life to be your Savior and Lord. Then you are on the path to godly character and true wisdom. If you don't know the Lord and you would like to know him, would you see myself afterwards? Would you, would you hang around? Would you talk to me about your personal soul and your relationship with God? For those of us who do know him, the challenge is that we practice this so that we have a church that is unified in the body of Christ. That will glorify God more than anything because we're promoting the cross, the peace of the cross. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.